an account of his faith and he tells his testimony. Paul says in chapter 9 of verse 26, I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the saints in prison. And, when, and uh, when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished. I tried to force them to blaspheme. In my obsession against them, I even went to foreign cities to persecute them. On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. About noon, O king, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Then I asked, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen of me and what I will show you. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. Amen. Vision. We've begun this series looking at the vision that God has given us as a church. We've done this because we felt prompted um, as a leadership team to spend some time once again as a church, saying this is who we are. This is what we're about. This is how we want to spend our lives on Jesus. And it struck me this week as I was thinking about it and praying about it. How do we get vision? And I don't know if it was the Holy Spirit or I don't know if it was just from within myself but what came back to me was, you don't get vision. Philip, you don't get vision. Vision gets you. Chipping Camden Baptist Church doesn't get vision. Vision gets Chipping Camden Baptist Church. And fills us with such a passion that we want to run this race for the glory of God, for the glory of Jesus Christ. One day, Moses was tending his father-in-law's sheep when suddenly saw a burning bush that wasn't burning and it got his attention. And in that place, he had an encounter with the living God and his life was never the same again. And after that encounter with God, God gave him a mission. God revealed himself to him. He gave him his name. An amazing moment 
where God himself meets with a human being and reveals himself and gives us his name. I am who I am. Yahweh. And then he gave him a commission to lead the people of God out of slavery in Egypt and into the promised land, the promised land that God had given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses was captured by a vision of God. One day, David, he too was looking after his father's flocks, there's a theme, when one of his brothers came to him and said, David, David, Samuel the prophet's here, and he wants to see you. And David's life was never the same again. Because Samuel had been told by God to go and anoint David to be king of Israel. To be the one who leads them against their enemies, triumphs over their enemies. And no one else would have thought of David. But God reveals himself and David takes on that mission. One day Isaiah the prophet was worshipping in the temple in Jerusalem. It were difficult days in the nation because the king Uzziah had just died. The nation was in mourning. The future was uncertain. And suddenly Isaiah is in the temple worshipping. And he sees a vision of God, high and lifted up, God on the throne of heaven. And his life was never the same again. And God spoke to him in the vision and said, who will go for us? Who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here I am, send me. And God gave him a commission to be a prophet to the nations. To be one who speaks on God's behalf. To be the one who heard from God that a virgin would conceive. And give birth to Messiah. He was to be a carrier of this message 600 years before it happened. That the Messiah would be cruelly tortured and Killed as a criminal. But then would be raised to life. One day, some ordinary fishermen, ordinary men from Galilee, met a man called Jesus. And Jesus was speaking to the crowds and then he asked one of the men if he could uh, take his boat out a little bit further because he had actually preached from the boat because the crowds were so huge. And he said to the fisherman, I want you to go fishing. And the fisherman was a bit kind of taken aback because he hadn't caught anything. It wasn't the time to go fishing. But something about that man told him I should obey. And he let down his nets and they had this incredible catch of fish. And suddenly that man, and his name was Peter, sees something in this man, Jesus, and says, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. You don't want to have anything to do with me. 
Peter caught a glimpse right there of who Jesus was. And Jesus said to him, no, I want you to follow me. And I will make you a fisher of men. And Peter's life and the other disciples who were with him were never the same again. For three years they walked and talked with Jesus. They watched and listened to God in the flesh on this earth. Proclaiming the kingdom. And then they saw him crucified. And then they met him risen from the dead. Risen from the dead. And then he ascended into heaven. But before he did he said I've got something for you to do. I want you to go into the whole world and tell people about me and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They had come to understand that Jesus, this man, was God in the flesh. And their lives were never the same again. Not long after that, those disciples and a group of other believers, men and women, 120 of them, were gathered in a room in Jerusalem. And suddenly the sound of a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and tongues of fire rested on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they were never the same again. And this world in which we live was never the same again as the gospel spread like wildfire to all the known world. And it has run for 2,000 years as that great commission to the church is still on. We're still on mission until Jesus returns again. We don't get vision. Vision gets us through an encounter with God. One day there was a man called Saul. He was traveling from Jerusalem to Damascus. He was on his own mission. His mission was to destroy the church. He was breathing out murderous threats against the followers of Jesus. He saw Christianity as such a threat he wanted to stamp it out. Yet there on the road, Jesus meets him. The risen Lord Jesus meets him and reveals himself to him. And Paul was never the same again because Saul became Paul. Saul was his Hebrew name. It means prayed for. Saul was an arrogant man, full of himself. Proud of his heritage and all that he stood in. It was all about him. And Saul takes another name for himself. Jesus doesn't give him his new name. Saul takes the new name. He calls himself Paul, a Latin name. Which means small, runtish, diminutive. This arrogant man called Shaul chooses the name Paul. Because he has met with Jesus and now he is all about Jesus. It's not about him. It's all about Jesus. 
And his life is never the same again. As he is a carrier of the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ has got hold of this man. And given him a mission. So therefore when he is in prison. And he has been beaten. And tortured many times. He can say from prison I rejoice. I rejoice in Jesus. Because he has been captivated. And it happened time and time again in church history. Martin Luther was grabbed hold of God's grace and said, the world needs to know of God's grace. This isn't something you have to earn. Salvation is something that is given free. John Wesley in 1738 encountered the living God and transformed his life. And with others like George Whitfield brought revival to this nation. And you look down that list and you think, these are mighty men of God. And we can see how God got hold of them and gave them a mission. But God gets hold of ordinary people. They're not super beings. I came across this story recently. Simon Ponsonby told it. Two Christian men from Copenhagen in 1732. They loved the Lord Jesus with all their hearts. They'd heard of a community of slaves in the West Indies. 3,000 slaves on one settlement. But they had no witness. There was no minister on the slave settlement. There was no witnesses. And when they heard it, they were so moved that they sold themselves into slavery on that settlement for life. They gave up their lives to go and live amongst those slaves and witness to the Lord Jesus that they may know that they could be free, that they could have eternal life. And we don't know their names, but what amazing men. What a sacrifice. Sold themselves into slavery because God had got hold of them. J. John, an evangelist, says the definition of a missionary is not someone necessarily who crosses the sea, but someone who sees the cross. That's a missionary. Not someone who necessarily crosses the seas, but someone who sees the cross and their lives are never the same again. Vision comes from an encounter with God. And whether that's a dramatic Damascus Road event where your life is turned around in a moment, or whether it's that just gradual deepening realization that Jesus means everything. Once I didn't know him and I didn't love him, but now I know him and I love him. Once I gave him a little bit and now I want to give him my all. Vision is always God's initiative. So when people ask me, what's the vision of your church? I say this. 
Our vision is Jesus. That's our vision. Built on the right foundation. The bedrock of our vision as a church. It has to be. It can be nothing else but Jesus. The saviour of the world. The hope of this world. And we give ourselves to the mission of Jesus. And the vision is always God's initiative. It is God who calls us. And he puts that call on our lives. What changes people? What changes the world? What brings God's kingdom? First and foremost, it is an encounter with God. You know that I'm quite keen on revival stories. And when you speak of the last great revival in the British Isles, it was on the Hebrides. And humanly speaking, it began with one man, Duncan Campbell, speaking at a meeting in a barn. But if you trace back the story of that revival, it didn't start with Duncan Campbell at all. It started with a group of ordinary men and women, seven men, two women, who got together and just cried out to God who realized that they were not right with God. They were believers, but they weren't right with God. There was a holiness that came upon them of God, and they they just cried out, God, we need you. And they met with God in a powerful way as they waited on God, and his awesome presence swept the place where they were meeting. The two sisters who were aged 82 and 84 had a vision of God. And in the vision they saw churches crowded with the young people of the community. And churches overflowing that people were queuing up to get in them. And they had a glorious assurance that God was going to come in revival power. And God told them to invite Duncan Campbell. And they wrote to Duncan Campbell and he said, I can't come, I'm busy. I've got this conference on. And the two ladies, they were so, I mean, you read the stories, they were just so brilliant. He'll be here in two weeks, they said. God wants him here. I can't come, I've got a conference. Do you know what? The conference was cancelled. I can come. The first night... He stood up to speak. People couldn't get in the meeting. The Holy Spirit had already gathered thousands of people in an incredible move of God. So we say with Moses and all the other, who am I? God's not looking for super women and super men. He's looking for people who will see the cross. So I'm going to live for this. I can live for anything else, but I'm going to live for the cross of Jesus Christ. The Alpha Course. And we're nearly at the end of another Alpha Course, and it's wonderful to see some Alpha people here. And uh, Started in 1992 with just five courses. Currently, there's 55,000 courses. 17 million people worldwide have done an Alpha course. It began just in a small church in London. Relatively small, big English standards, but not world.
but it hadn't really taken off until Nicky Gumbel went forward at a prayer meeting when John Wimber said, there's 10 people here with athlete's foot and God wants to heal you. Nine people went forward. Nicky Gumbel sat in his chair. His wife, Pippa, dug him in the ribs, said, that's your, you're the 10th, go up. He said, I don't want to go up. She said, go up. He went up. He was prayed for. The Holy Spirit fell on him. John Wimber prophesied over him, you will be given the gift of telling people about Jesus. 55,000 Alpha courses later. An encounter with God. I was so blessed this week by two things. I mean, I'm blessed by lots of things. But two particular things that were said of this church. Your church is so Jesus-centered. Yes! <laughs> of all the things people say about this fellowship, that's the one I love. Your church is so Jesus-centered. And the other thing that was said this week, your church always seems to put God first. You always worship him first. And I thought, well, that's what we all do. Isn't that part of the deal? <laughs> What's the vision of Chipping Camden Baptist Church, if anyone asks you ever? Jesus. And when we see him, and when we fix our eyes on him, and he calls us to the mission, and then we start proclaiming him, and making disciples, and building the kingdom, and praying for revival. But it's all about him. It's not about us. We boast of the heroes of faith. I boast about Alice, and I boast about David, and Jenny, and other heroes of faith of the church, because we have them. But above all, we boast about Jesus. He's our vision. Built on the right foundation. And vision will always lead to mission. It's our vision of Jesus that gives us the faith, the energy, the strength, the power, the determination, the love and compassion to live out our faith in a broken world. But it is about the gospel. We have nothing else to give people. Nothing else to live for. It's all about Jesus. And we want people to meet with Jesus. Because we know they'll never be the same again. In Jesus we receive forgiveness, salvation, eternal life. My only frustration is we don't see more. We don't see enough. Because we're in a spiritual battle. You know, I despair sometimes on, I have 10 weeks on an Alpha course. I preach my heart out every week. <laughs> and gloriously, some people come to Christ. And other people after 10 weeks say, oh, I didn't, didn't get that at all.
We need the Holy Spirit to come. He's the only one who opens eyes and opens hearts. When we see some, we want to see more. The men's breakfast, the same, and all the outreaches that we do. I thought about listing all the ministries of the church here. I ran out of room. It would have been a three-hour sermon. All the ministries that have come out of the fellowship. People have been grabbed by Jesus and said, I'm going to run with this. And they come and see me sometimes and say, can I do this? And I said, yeah, of course you can. As long as it fits in with the vision. So long as it's about Jesus. There's so many ministries. And well, you have two options as a church leader. You can either say, okay, there's all this stuff going on, but it has to come through me. I'm the leader of the church. So I want to have my hands on everything. The control thing. Or we're a church that says, we all have ministries. We're all gifted in different ways. If God puts something on your heart and you really want to run with it, then yeah, run with it. And we have so many ministries, so many people involved, and it's brilliant. But that comes with its own sort of, you know, downsides. It's so busy. The uh, Men of Courage event was great. We had 50-odd guys standing up and worshipping God and saying, God, you're the one. I'd love 150. But there was another event in Bedford and there was another event over there. And we were busy, but it's not about numbers. It's about people encountering God. And when people encounter God, they are never the same again. But if you're here this morning and you say, well, that it all sounds really good, Phil. But I haven't got a vision. I don't know if God could use me. I don't, I don't see it. And I would want to say I, I understand. And all I can say to you is, look at Jesus. Don't look at anybody else. Look at Jesus. There are some people, maybe even in this room this morning, who say, I, don't, I still don't get it. I've been around this church. I've been around these Christians, and I admire them, and I, and I think they've got something about it, but I don't get it. It may be that you have never come to Christ and said, it's you. It's you. You're the only one for me. You're the only one who died for me. There's no one else I'd rather live for. I'm wasted for everything else but you. It's not about receiving some sort of ecstatic experience. It's about saying, Jesus, you're the one. I'm going to trust you with everything. Trust you with my life. Trust you with eternity. And whatever you want to do with my life, it's okay with me. Because Jesus has died for us. He has saved us from hell. 
eternity separated from him. Left in our sin because we were perhaps too proud. We can't look at the cross and say that doesn't matter to me. Yeah, we get battered and bruised by life. Circumstances in life and the things done to us and all the stuff. But Jesus, the cross always remains. So this morning, as we look about vision and we go on thinking about vision, maybe it's just surrendering once again. Here am I. Send me. Or as Paul said, I, I was not disobedient to the vision that you gave me. A lovely phrase I came across this week, the church is God's lost and found department. We're God's lost and found department. And we have something that the world needs. Because once we were lost and now we're found. Once we're in darkness, now we're in light. Once we're unforgiven, now we're forgiven. Once we're headed for eternity without God, now we're heading for eternity with God in his glorious presence. And we cannot begin to imagine how great that is. Jesus is our vision. So let's ask Jesus to define our lives, our ambitions, our affections, our money, our time, our efforts. You notice in the passages we read and the ones I referred to, God encountered people and then said, will you go for me because I have something for you to do. Will you pour out everything you are and everything you have for the kingdom of Jesus Christ? Will you say again this morning, Jesus, you're the one. You're the one. And with Paul, pray one thing I do. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. What's the vision of Chipping Camden Baptist Church? He is Jesus. It will always be Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, as we come this morning, and we have come and we have worshipped you, we have said it's all about you. Help us to go on for you. Thank you that you have opened a way that each one of us can know you. Not based on our merit or on our, our own energies, but based on just receiving you. And I just want to pray, if anyone's here this morning and you've never just said yes to Jesus, you've never said you're the one, you've been around, you've heard, but you've never said it. I 
challenge you, encourage you, plead with you to say to Jesus this morning, you're the one. You're the one. And Lord, we thank you for your hand on us as a fellowship. And we just pray that we will glorify you as we move forward with you, as, as we seek to be obedient to the vision that you have given us, to outwork that vision of the gospel. We pray that you would come by your Holy Spirit's power and revive us. That we might see more than we see now. That we might see more saved that we might see your kingdom coming in our communities, the communities where you've placed us. And thank you that each one of us who have said yes to you, you can use us. And so we pray, do that this morning. We want to say yes to you this morning. Whatever it is on your heart for us, we want to say yes. How could we say no? Fill our hearts, Lord. Be our vision. Be the one we live for. Be the hallmark of this church. Stamp here. pray in Jesus' name.